Like a year I've watched ago. this a bunch, but I haven't watched it in a year. I, so it was much different with a year in between. That's what I, that's where I'm, that's where I'm headed. And, and so the thing for me is I didn't realize like, uh, that this was the, the story equivalent of like peanut butter. Right. So peanut butter is the most Andy. nutrient dense, the most nutrient dense thing that you can probably put in your body. Right. And, mm-hmm. and what I realized after a year now of coming back to this is all of the things that are packed into before the title sequence the mm-hmm. you know, we see Mithril, uh, you know, all the things that are kind of worked in there, you know, the whole Beskar aspect, um, the, the establishment that he really is a badass. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all done in this really short period of time. And then they managed to work in the Boba Fett uh, pulse rifle shock on the mm-hmm. Revenant. You know, like all of that is in your, well, is, is that, does that count as a cold open or is that too on the nose? That's um, a cold open. I mean, that literally that they have made it. I think they done, did that on purpose. <laughs> okay. okay, I was I was curious about that. Like the cold I really open think that was a nod to the fact that it was a cold open and a cold <laughs> ice planet. I hope so, man. But it was I was after a year now going like, wow, like so much is in the basically the first, you know, maybe 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. We've got all this stuff like kind of laid up and and right there and it's so economical plus the little elegant uh, ribs here and there mm-hmm. it's uh, i was it was super well it was delightfully fun to go back and watch this even even after have, having seen it multiple times where it's almost like a danger that you like are like oh no i know that and and then now to see it again it was really fun yeah i was going to dumbly not watch it again because i've watched it enough where i was like I yeah talk like, it through and then you're yeah. watching you're like nope there's still more yeah. This is like peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> I did Let not me plan explain. That. It's just <laughs> super dense. <laughs> Perhaps poor choice of words, but uh No, it, no, no. I actually think it's a great analogy. I was just <laughs> just mocking it because in our friendship we've made the analogy of things are like peanut butter. So many different ways and times that it doesn't (laughs) even count anymore. It's like (laughs) for some weird reason we've made peanut butter an inside joke. Uh, It's it's delightful, uh, much like peanut butter. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. I don't like peanut butter. I I, I really I really like it. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah, (laughs) I really like it. You say that with the reluctance. I uh, hate to tell you this, but peanut butter and I have been getting pretty serious. Yeah, it's 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 my like it's actually one of my few food voice food vices right now is it's peanut butter. I feel like if we were to like if you were to die right now, and then the doctor would have to do uh, what is it when they go through medically and check out cause of death? Autopsy. Yeah, I feel like they have to scully. They have to scully my body. If the skull of your body, they would somebody would have to come out with a regular kitchen spoon and be like, There's a lot of peanut butter in here, and like scoop it out. And then I'd be right there on top, being like, It's like the densest source of nutrients in the galaxy. It's we cut them open and it's all Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, well, it smells like Star Wars in here. <laughs> And he was like, say it, say, say it. it. 
I thought he smelled worse on the outside. <laughs> All right. You ready to start the episode, Andy? I think so. Okay. <laughs> All right. Andy, is this the way? This Most is definitely. Oh, sorry. That's Very for special. the end of the podcast, Andy. Oh. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> Guys. This is a Mandalorian podcast. We are covering episode one, the very first one, season one, episode one, the pilot. Uh, we will make this noted that we are doing this after season two. So yes. just our timeline wise, we are well aware of what happened in the next two seasons. We are hoping to not ruin any of that for you by breaking this down. But this is your listening companion to Mandalorian. Please rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. And please send Andy DMs and Venmos. Yes. A- Andy, what's Please. your Venmo? Uh, I don't actually don't have a Venmo. Uh, okay, then you can PayPal. send Andy's Venmos to me. At yeah, Aaron so M. Marsh. All your Venmos to Aaron. <laughs> and yeah, guys, thank you for listening. You guys have been doing a great job of listening. I'm uh, surprised every week that people listen. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. So let's break down this episode, Andy. Let's do it. I can't wait. So we start off, as we mentioned earlier, with yes, the cold we start open off on, on, on a cold yes. planet. Maldo Crease. Maldo Crease. They (laughs) I think it's hilarious. They're on an ice planet for their cold open. Absolutely. And then we go to a bar full of thugs looking semi-familiar. They chose a lot of like minor characters from other things. We could spend a lot of time on that, but there's a lot of things to cover in this. This is episodes like peanut butter. It's the most uh, dense nutrients in the planet. And uh (laughs) and we get to thugs speaking Hudanese. Yes. Which is great. It's letting us know already that they're dealing with things in canon. We're going to be semi-familiar with things, but also not truly familiar with things. And uh, then they introduce, of course, that there are credits, and that is the currency we are going with, which is regular Star Wars currency. And uh, there's a little bit of a scuffle between this blue fellow, played by Horatio Sands. Yes. He is a mithril who is unnamed, at least at our, or he's unnamed. At this point. Yeah. Yeah. And all we'll we call him Horatio Sands. Two guys at the bar. <laughs> we'll call him Jimmy Fallon's best friend. And uh, yeah, he, he's having a little bit of trouble at the bar. The, the doors open, much like a Clint Eastwood movie and a cowboy thing. And there's our Mandalorian in like a hero shot. The theme hits for the first time. Feels big. The whole bar stops. Very much Western. And uh, the thugs turn their attention away from Horatio Sands onto this Mandalorian. They follow him to the bar. They ask him if his helmet is Beskar. Yes. Letting us start to see that just having Beskar is a problem. It's a little too flashy. Uh, and he beats him up for it. He uh, has no time for them to deal with this Beskar stuff. And he cuts one of them in half with the door. Because the, the bartender yeah, starts our- to close up shop. One guy is being dragged through the door at the time and then gets cut in half. We don't see it on screen. But it also, that lets us know we are not watching our parents' Star Wars. We are not watching... I mean, essentially, it is a G-rated show, but it was letting us know this is not going to be a G-rated like feel. The mood is not G-rated. And the, we're, we're in the underworld that so many of us as fans really were asking for. And, you know, so much of, sure. of what was, people were kind of craving from the sweet spot of Star Wars uh, uh, done remarkably well in Rogue One. Um, and, you know, the, the vibe of the Mos Eisley Cantina also, you know, colder climate. But we've mm-hmm. got a bit of that, you know, uh, that 
here's yeah. a bunch of different folks um, kind of quality. And uh, yeah. And what a, what a way to, to sort of, well, the star Wars world is great in the sense that like much like GTA where there's the side missions, we can yeah. see that everyone's kind of doing a side mission, but we're just walking past them because you know, everyone's got their own life. And so now we're digging into this life of an, interesting creed that we've only but seen glimpses of yes. he shows us a bounty puck for the first time he puts it on the table in front of ratio Sands to show a hologram of his own face and then have he even goes oh is that me yeah and uh lets you know that <laughs> he is on a bounty he has found the bounty he is going to get the bounty and he tries to kind of charm him and goes hey listen i can bring you in warm i can bring you in cold the bounty let him know that he's got a lot of money he goes i don't care i gotta take you back and then he takes him kind of in shackles to a Kabzant. Is it how you say that? Kib- I think he's a, um, a Kib- well, I, I know that he's speaking Kabizian. So I think he's a Kabizian. Kib- yeah. Kabaz. Uh, yes. We we so we would know this this character. It has kind of a small snorkel, uh, elephant like snorkel nose. Um, playing an amazing recorder, which is hilarious, given that the recorder was used for the Mando theme. To see that, absolutely. Sort of, um, we know him as the Imperial Spy from A New Hope, not yeah, the same where... one that we know of, but it's the yep. same species, same species, same outfit. Yep. Uh, the Imperial Spy in A New Hope, which was also really uh, shown well in the Lego series. Has a really yes. specific noise. Andy, can you make that for us? <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, for fairness, I want to do mine. <laughs> and so he kind of calls uh, the Star Wars Ubers in, and we get a speeder. We see a droid. We're introduced to the fact that the Mandalorian does not like droids, refuses that yes. Uber. Now we get one with Brian Posehn, who I think was actually my Uber driver once. Uh, that's not true. Brian Posehn's <laughs> hilarious comedian. Horatio Sands is a hilarious comedian. Very happy that they got into this. He takes him right to the Razor Crest. Great yes. hero shot of the Razor Crest. Tells him to watch out for the ice and takes off. And uh, Horatio Sands is like, why would we worry about the ice? And then an ice creature shows up, of course. Yes. To let us Rabbit know in Star Wars that nothing is going to be uh, safe. Yes. And then the Mandalorian grabs his pitchfork staff. What is the name of that staff? Um, so I don't know the exact. I, I believe it's an it's am an ambasan or ambasar, but it's a it's All referred right. to as uh, as a pulse rifle, and and it yeah. has actual cartridges. So the cartridges that you see that are around Mando's leg, uh, and then mm-hmm. I think in a few other places that the it actually fires cartridge or it takes a cartridge ammunition in order for it to fire but in this in this application it's just a it's in essence um shot in a shock rifle from the forks mm-hmm. a la boba fett from the animated short that appears in the 1977 yeah. hol- uh, holiday special from holiday special uh, which is from. huge news for star wars fans Yes. Because it's the first time anything from the holiday special has turned up into anything else. It's been greatly yes. ignored by George Lucas and by the entire Star Wars universe until now. Yes. And so his very first appearance, they chose him. And it even shows him writing uh, a blurg, I believe, in the yes. opening sequence of the animated series, which later shows up in this episode. So they're showing us that the holiday special is going to have a lot to deal so with the- this. It, and it's and it's this definitely callback for us, right? So so uh, mm-hmm. so through craziness, blurgs have I think appeared in pretty pretty much each of uh, or they've in one form or another they were in Clone Wars. I think the blurgs appeared in the Caravan of Courage or the the Endor movies. They didn't appear in the in for sure in the holiday special. Maybe maybe it did. Uh, we I don't also they did. we also get as a response to the fact that this Ravenick is now 
burst out and and on their tail we get uh we get a very interesting uh phrase from her yeah we got our first dank ferret yeah yeah this is i love that definitely delivered with starts Yes, with with fury, right? Like we can tell yeah. that that this is this is something you are going to explain or exclaim when uh, when things are not going well. For sure, absolutely, very fun that we got the dank fair, we got out of the planet, and now we have Horatio Sands asking all these questions that we as fans should be asking ourselves. He's now taking the C three PO role of yes. like, hey, is it true that you guys don't take your helmets off? So we are now introduced to like this is the creed that we're going to go with for this guy. Also Mandalorian's not talking at all, but he's asking all these questions, you know, like, Hey, can I use the vec tube? Which has been the space toilet has been a large question this entire time. And yes. now has been introduced and shown. And then he walks his way down to the vac tube and you see it looks like a regular toilet. Congratulations. First appearance of the toilet. I know that that sounds like I'm being sarcastic, but actually something yeah. we wanted as fans. Yeah, it's you know there's a there's there's a, there's a a tone of realism that is being struck right away, uh, and then mm-hmm. in and then very um, very nonchalant and naturally we're getting a lot of information uh, mm-hmm. from our mithril friend uh, Horatio Sands um, in the in the back and forth, and then and then the 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 withholding from Mando um, gives us a, a huge amount of character development in him, which is really quite cool. Yeah. Maximum character development for him on the lines that he has. Uh, very cowboy-esque. And yes. it also is showing us that they're going to do us a lot of fan service by answering these questions that we have sarcastically asked the Star Wars universe for years. He then mentions that he wants to be home for Life Day to see his family. Another holiday special reference. In case you didn't catch the first one, they wanted yes. to let all the fans who had ever seen that special to be like, okay, we're going to actually reference these things. He then, while going through the stuff, runs into some weapons and then some people in Carbonite which we first saw Boba Fett do in Empire Strikes Back. He puts Han Solo on Carbonite to transport the bounty without any, like, I don't want to say without harm, no long-term yeah. damage that we know of, but it is just an easy way to just freeze him into a block. And this guy, he's got a closet of him. And he then puts his hand on the chest of Horatio Sands and pushes him into the Carbonite freeze. And we watch him become a piece of Carbonite. Pretty awesome. Uh, I mean, like, we only really see fog up. We don't actually see him become yeah. one. But then when they show him as a slab and then we land on another planet. Andy, what's the name of the second planet? This planet is Navarro. So we're still in the outer rim again. And uh, this is the home of the Bounty Hunter Guild. It is. And we know that we're getting to the home of the Bounty Hunter Guild because we walk past an R5 droid right into a bar that we see a Bosque-like species. Bosque is a very famous Star Wars bounty hunter. And so that kind of alerts us that we are in a place with other bounty hunters. And then Mando goes right up to an actor, Carl Weathers, playing Grief Karga, who is clearly now the leader of the bounty hunter guild because he's giving him his credits. He doesn't want the credits because he's letting us know that the Empire is now gone. That's a huge yeah. point to let us know that like we are past Return of the Jedi. They are not in power anymore and their money's decreasing rapidly to the point that he can only give him Kalmari and Flan, which is only yep. half the amount of the Empire's credits. But it's we better get- to have half the amount than some money that might not be good tomorrow. Yeah, and we get the sort of um we get this sort of of the the trouble in the wake of the ashes of the empire sort of a, a mm-hmm. piece, right. That I think is, is quite interesting. Um, and then we also get 
in that exchange, just how busy Mando is because he pushes yeah. over uh, the four or five uh, tracking fobs and mm-hmm. they correspond to the the carbonite yeah. that's on the ship. We get a little bit of an, uh, a little cut sequence of them off to the razor crest. Yeah, the offload yep. is like multiple. It's like a row of yeah. people just sort of <laughs> taking the carbonite and he's not getting that much for it. They no, let us know not. that because then uh, Grief Karga then kind of throws six jobs on the table and Mondo's like, I want all of them, you yes. know, because he needs the money. And then this guy's like, well, we've got other people that need some of these jobs too, but none of them are even going to make money back. Much like when your friend tries to do Uber for a whole living and he's like so mad that he can't pay for the gas and the maintenance of the car and pay the bills. That's kind of where our character is at right now with this. And he goes, well, there is this one very high uh, risk one that does pay well. And he goes, great, let's do that. But to get that, he's got to go visit the client. Yeah, so uh, this is a face-to-face thing. Um, there's mm-hmm. a little bit of a, uh, there's a little nod in here too. There's no chain code. Uh, and so we're, we get, this is a, I, the way that you can identify mm-hmm. who you are. And, you know, this is the equivalent of identification, passport, uh, driver's license, whatever you want in the Star Wars universe. Oh, yeah. I, I was, that we're kind of in the middle of the whole scene where there's a, they're showing a lot of things like this is a little outside the guild because he's yeah. no longer talking to the guild representative. He has to go to this other guy that he hasn't met. Uh, but before we get there, I want to say that yes. he gets to uh, a door that has a security droid that we've seen in Return of the Jedi. Very cool to show us that that is just kind of regularly used. Like we use rings or nests now. And then yes. there's a gunk droid on the other side of that door, which my favorite droid. So I just want to throw yes. that out there. And he walks It's a modified it's a modified gonk droid too, right? There's uh, there's appears to be a capping on top of it that's slightly different, right? From what we've seen from gonk droids. And the fact that he walks him down the hallway to me is a little bit interesting because the at least the place that the gonk droid normally kind of has is just being like a mobile power cell, uh, so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. And and so to see him in yeah, a Yeah, I was told they're mostly used as generators or they're yes. used on kamikaze uh, explosion missions where they're just they yes. fill them full of dynamite and just enough power to walk to where they need it to explode. And yes. then they shoot it with their own blaster. Very crude machine, the gong yes. droid. So, so to see one even have a civilized job, like I'm going to walk down the hall and recognize when I'm in a room or off a room, is something we yeah. haven't seen a, a gong droid used for yet. He enters a room full of stormtroopers that look dirty, busted up. It looks like somebody, like like in a police movie where like someone's wearing the uniform, but you're like, that might not really be a police officer. They just have the uniform. They yeah. kind of have that feel. There's a bunch of them. And that's when we meet the client. The client is played by uh, Warren Herzog, who yep. I never thought would show up in a Star Wars anything. Yeah. Uh, one of the greatest living directors of our time is now uh, playing a B part in Star Wars. Love it. And he's doing it amazingly well The with the, the accent. He looks like he loves it. Oh man, he's got he he's just he's he so like you said, somebody we wouldn't expect to be in the Star Wars mm-hmm. universe, and he's and he to me killing it. He owns that yeah. entire scene, so it's uh it's to me just, he's king of the pompous music uh, movie nerds. Yes, and so like for him to be like because they're the ones that shun Star Wars, for him to be like, oh no, I'm not only going to do this, I'm going to worship that what this thing is is so cool to me just on an outside perspective. Uh, Mondo and the stormtroopers kind of get into a Mexican standoff before Warren Herzog kind of pulls them all down. He goes, no, no, no. We're here for a little bit of a thing. Wait, wait, wait. So we get, so why, why were they in the standoff? Uh, uh, Dr. Pershing, who we, who mm-hmm. he 
bursts into the room, uh, mm-hmm. sort of not having the appropriate sort of etiquette for what's going on. And so yeah. the, the interesting thing is in the in the wake of the fall of the empire, there is still this sort of of bounty hunter code that's being put forth, right? That there's there's a way yeah. that you do business, you know, there's a way that the there, uh, things are going on. And so the fact that someone would burst into a client face-to-face client meeting like this uh, yeah. is off kilter completely right and so i this whole thing's been loved that he's not he's not going through the union he's going to an extra guy and now that guy has another guy behind the closed door that he didn't know about just a lot of danger and of course like we've mentioned he doesn't have the bounty puck he doesn't have a chain coat all he's giving him is a tracking fob which is uh and he's giving him the last four of the chain code which tells us the age of the individual so we know that we know the age of the individual but, is but yeah, so it's 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 just crazy the the you know like these little bits of broad brushstroke kind of pieces. I also love the exchange of the stormtroopers are are you know trained on him. They've got their blasters mm-hmm. out and and um, they say we've got you four to one. And Mando uh, says I like the I, I like those odds. Um, yeah. So we we clearly again are getting this idea of of all the stories you've heard about Mandalorian mm-hmm. and how they are are should be feared and kick ass. Uh, they're yeah, real. we know that they're badass, but we've never quite seen them be badass. Yes. And now we're watching them kind of win standoffs by glancing. Yes, which is perfect. And of course, uh, Pershing and the client argue a little bit about whether they need this bounty yeah. back alive or dead. Yeah, the client's so the like, it doesn't really right. matter, but. The doctor's like, it really matters. I need this person a lot. So we know that now. And then so they give him a down payment of pure Baskar, which is a huge down payment, letting you know that they're going to give a huge reward once he gets this. He figures out uh, 50 years old. And let's see. And then the client does give the, this Baskar should be in the hands of a Mandalorian. Letting us know that this was kind of taken from the Mandalorian, this amount of Baskar at this point. And he wants this man to be the one to get the best car back. The, that, the line that, that the client offers here about um, returning the natural order of things, I thought was a really interesting little bit of lines. He's got so many good, good lines in there that, you know, have been worked into the trailer. The bounty hunter, bounty hunting is a complicated profession, don't you think? And mm-hmm. so, you know, but that, that notion to me, at least on this watch through of returning the natural order of things really struck this time, even though like we, we said in the warm up, uh, talking about this, that, you know, each of us have, you know, this is the fourth or the fourth or fifth time I've seen the episode total, but seeing it now, there's different things popping out for me. And I, that one was a huge, uh, a huge bit that the net, you know, that, that we are, well, and, in essence, Herzog's telling us, or the client is telling us, things are not in the natural order, and he would like to see them return to that. For sure. And we kind of let us know that that's the thesis of the whole series. Yeah. That we are going to watch things start to become a little bit more into the natural order. He takes his piece of down payment, Beskar, uh, which looks like a really cool iPhone cover, which is nice. It I does. like that. He walks out of the, the building. We now see the salacious chrome monkey lizards one of them being cooked one in the cage watching the other one being cooked being very sad first time i saw one not laugh uh it was it's a really kind of sad moment but also like reminds us like that we're in the star wars we're going to see familiar things it made me tremendously happy as a fan the first time watching it 
We go to the armor. Armor is so cool in this whole, uh, mostly this season. Yeah. And the armor melts down the Beskar and makes just one shoulder patch for the Mandalorian, but also mentions that there's excess that's going to go towards foundlings. And like, that's great. And there's like a lot of excess. So it's also letting us know exactly how like overly valuable this metal is. Yeah. And then of course the Mandalorian says, I was once a foundling. And she's like, I know. And we see flashbacks to a child being found and kind of raised in it, but it's very Vietnam apocalypse now, not really storytelling flashbacks, just flashbacks of trauma. Yeah, so it's, it's it's just, and then I also this you know loved the that the flashbacks are all timed to the hammering um, mm-hmm. that you know as 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 it's being forged. I thought um, really really well played here, um, and then Wait, it's like religious. It's uh, yeah, for sure. Or like the way Jim Morrison would like do drugs in the Doors movie, and then it would kind of reveal <laughs> a little more of his origin. It's yeah. the same with this. Like, oh yeah, getting new armor is upgrading not just your suit but your soul and he's going through his soul for that the armorer also mentions briefly in here so so i've had questions for folks that are watching like and they'll and they'll listen Mm -hmm. to us talk about things and they'll go well how did you know this like so how did you know Mm -hmm. um how did you know that that uh they're part of the tribe right um Mm -hmm. so mando uh the episode is called the mandalorian um we're we're here with the armorer um, we don't have a name for the armorer, but uh, in the way she receives that uh, and then talks about it, she um, she mentions that it's good for it to be back with the tribe. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. our first sort of nod, very nonchalant, but it gives us an idea of who who Mando's a part of, and then also who uh, the armor is a part of. We also yeah, see it really lets the armor get a tone, like the way yeah. that. Uh a rabbi will be played in the movie where it's like a lot of black background, not that the armor was shot, mm-hmm. but black background, but it has that tone of like, this is a reverence, uh, yes. a reverent person that we go to for, for upgrade. Go ahead. And then last thing really quick, the armor has a helmet that's, that's different than most of us would normally see for, um, for a Mandalorian. And so I think that's, you know, to give us also a notion of that, like you said, that there's, there's a ritual quality. There's a specialness to this. This is um, someone respected amongst the community. Uh, and so, you know, we've got a slightly more um, uh, medieval sort of night quality to the op- the eye opening in the in the middle slit. And then she's got um, bumps and uh, almost like mini horns on the top. Um, of that helmet so i think those are some interesting aspects last thing i'll mention is uh i loved how this was mixed in and i missed this on at least my first two watchings where the armor asks has your signet been revealed to you so yeah uh, so there's this little nod to and so so i think people would potentially miss this but so the idea of the, there being a signet um, and and so we kind of are are loaded with a bit a little of foreshadowing around that. And so f- so for us, at least if you're a super Boba Fett nerd, you'll know of um, at least so so Boba Fett's Boba Fett's signet is the Mythosaur skull. Um, he also wears uh-huh. a signet from uh, from Jaster. Um, spacing on his last name, but the guy who trained uh, Jango Fett also trained Boba Fett. Yeah, that's the leaf yeah. logo, right? Yeah, it's that little that little leaf, um, that little leaf logo across a circular uh, circular deal that's on uh, just above his like left uh, left pectoral kind of 
plate. So anyway, that there's all this is weaved in. So like all the things we've wanted for give us more of a backstory and it's done remarkably well. Right. So if we, if we were to, to it is because we're also only getting taste of it. It's like letting yeah. us know it's going to reveal it through time. We're going to yes. get it, but it is yeah. it's definitely like, seeing the whole thanksgiving table and we only get to taste one thing and they go let's go to the next room you're like we're gonna go back to that table yes we will super so super awesome so now we go to a third planet andy what's this third planet called this planet although i do not believe it's identified in in the episode is aravala seven so Mm -hmm. uh and this is a more deserty planet we get an introduction at the beginning where mando sort of is uh he lands and then he's sort of surveying what's going on and this is where we get the blurg appearance yeah it's kind of a captain kirkish thing where like a lizard just comes up and starts fist fighting (laughs) um although mando's the one who's fist fighting the lizard's just sort of biting his arm and then we get an ugnaught uh, yeah. Once it starts to really kind of calm down, there's an Ugnaught shows up riding one of these blurgs, which is something we've never really quite seen. We've only seen Ugnaughts in like almost service and yeah. like, uh, I want to say like, just like kind of repair. They're just kind of like, they're more of a blue collar Jawa. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the way we've seen Ugnaughts. And so like to watch one ride up on a blurg and have confidence is something we've never seen before. The, uh, the Ugnaught is played by Misty Roses. Uh, not yes. to get too far ahead of us, but she's also the same woman that plays the lizard lady in uh, season two. And so if you're listening to this in her both seasons, that's a fun fact. Well, and she is also, um, so she is, she is acting and Nick Nolte is voicing um, our Ugnaught friend. Correct. And, and has his fi- face. Yeah. And it is an amazing rendition uh, of that, but the, that whole piece of her being able to be, um, to be that, there's there's more to being in that sort of suit than uh, mm-hmm. than we may realize, and so the the ability for someone to be able to pull that off, you know, um, fan favorites, uh, was it Warwick uh, Warwick Davis? Um, yeah, I'm tr- spacing on R two D two the guy. Oh, yeah, who, tr- uh, oh Kenny. Um, yes, uh, Kenny Baker. Kenny Baker. Yeah, That's Kenny it. Baker. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, to be in a suit. I mean, Kenny Baker is a little more amazing because it's not like there was a lot of other motion Kenny could be in. He was in a steel cage, essentially. But to be able to express emotion while in a suit that is essentially kind of a skeleton, a robot skeleton over you, so it could also express things through puppeteering off on the side. It takes a whole crew for this Ugnaught to be believed, and it works. And the Ugnaught says it will help you, which is also very strange, because you're like, how could an Ugnaught help a Mandalorian? Yep. Their, Their power ladder is just so different. And uh, but he needs his help. And then he says, I have spoken, which becomes the catchphrase said as often as Hulk Hogan says, brother. And uh, <laughs> it's true. And then uh, and so then the Ugnaught kind of talks to or, or Quill. We'll start using the yeah. name. Yeah. Quill. That's it. Yeah. Quill uh, then takes Mando out to teach Mando how to ride a blurg, which Mando's like, this is too tough. And then. Quill says, hey, your ancestors have been doing this very well. If you're truly a Mandalorian, this, you'll be very good at this. And I will show you the town that you need to go to where your tracking fob is taking you. And I've never seen a Mandalorian do the work from what I hear. This is going to be no problem for you. Uh, tries to pay him off. Quill's not interested. He goes, why? He goes, because I've never met a Mandalorian and I kind of want to see him do their thing. I like to be friends with one. 
yeah kind of cool well, and it's so cool for the for quill to make that uh you know this this sort of um it's it's very much the the teacher and the student kind of moment of like you know the 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 nod to the great mythosaur again that's boba fett's signet mm-hmm. um and to have that brought in right away um being so central to the the lore of mandalorians um, and then really to see uh, Quill, you know, in essence being like, hey, I, I want peace. You know, I want I want to get peace back to mm-hmm. uh, my planet. And in essence, this sort of nod that that there's an underworld kind of quality uh, yeah. for, you know, like if for th- this group to be in this place just brings bad stuff. And he wants to be uh, he wants to be done with it. It also shows the respect that you just have for having that uniform on. Yeah. And so it's just like, oh, no, no. When a Mandalorian shows up, we kind of do what the Mandalorian wants. So that way no one gets hurt. And that way they can leave. I also like just that, their bounty. I like that Quill suggests that it would be easier for him to learn to ride without the helmet. In, in my yeah. in my head, I'm like, I'm like, man, keep that helmet on, given how much you're getting thrown off. So, oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, but they just want to show that there's no amount of trust that like a Mandalorian is going to take their helmet off. Yeah. And that's uh, like right up onto a, t- a little town on this planet. Uh, looks a little like a ghost town. Yeah, we see like a compound. Well, we meet IG Eleven. Yeah, a little more yeah. of a compound. Yeah, and and we see IG Eleven, get... which is a bounty droid that we have seen a very similar droid. IG Eighty Eight is also like a myth in the Star Wars world to be a very great bounty hunter. Boba Fett's rival is IG Eighty Eight, and, and so we've... now we're like, oh, so we have we've... a likely. A, a, like a parallel between a Boba yeah. Fett character as a main character, and now we have an IG Eleven and IG Eighty Eight. This is going to go well. Well, and like you were saying, you know, we are we're kind of pointing out the nods here that we mm-hmm. we didn't get to see Boba Fett in action much in mm-hmm. uh, in the original trilogy, right? And so, yeah. you know, he's he's in essence someone we know of as as just he looks like a badass. We assume mm-hmm. he's a badass. Uh, we hear, you know, kind of stories, mythic stories of him being a great bounty hunter. Um, and so IG-88, we never see him move, right? I mean, he's... he's yeah, I mean, know, he literally couldn't. Yeah. They never like, really I, made his legs. <laughs> he was just bolted into the ground and only shot from, like, the chest up. And it would just, like, really the only time we really saw him was, like, Darth Vader walked up and said something and walked away. And the yeah. statue didn't move one iota. And so now we're watching IG-11 like spin around as if like yeah. his spine is an axis and his arms can just go in any direction and really be a badass. Super yeah. cool. Our Mandalorian comes up behind the bounty droid. Bounty droid starts to shoot a little and he goes, no, 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 I'm part of the, the guild too. So now we're seeing the respect for the guild and he goes, oh, I thought I was the only one on this mission. So did I. Let's split the rewards. Robot accepts. Didn't realize Robot would uh, be able to have a back and forth. <laughs> Although I like this part where he goes, but I want all the reputation merits. I, I wrote that down too. I was like, this is, I had, I had actually missed that. Uh, the first, first couple of viewings. I mm-hmm. love that this idea of reputation merits um, being part of this universe, right? There's, there's mm-hmm. so much a, of a, a sort of D and D quest uh, kind of vibe that has already been set up just in one short episode. Um, you know, we've got Mando wearing this sort of patchwork armor. If you've ever played a mm-hmm. game like EverQuest or any of these sort of um, the the MMORPGs, you you start out you kind of like wear whatever you can wear, and then for him to have yeah. kind of like this super nice piece, he's got his pauldron, you know, and yeah, one uh, good shoulder, 
yeah, one good shoulder. Lean into every shot with that shoulder. Uh, and so the the reputation merits is it was just an amazing little bit as well. I love that line. I like it too because I like, never thought of a robot being like, I'm here for the pride. Yeah. You know, the robot <laughs> wanted the reputation merits. And uh, they're still getting shot at. And that's when he said, okay, let's try this. It's not going well for them. So the robot keeps trying to self destruct. And, and I love then, this gag. Uh, the, I love this. Like, I do I'm too. Gonna, I'm going to self destruct. I kept no, making no, fun of it. You do not do that. Yeah. That it's just like a white girl being like, I can't even. And so, like, every time it gets a little bit harder, it's like, well, okay, I'm going to self destruct now. Don't you dare. Gonna self destruct, don't you dare! They eventually uh, break into a room. Actually, we should talk about the little gauntlet. There is the the, the stormtroopers bring out the gauntlet, yeah. or these aren't stormtroopers. I'm sorry, these aren't stormtroopers. The other, are, well, this is a Nikto. They we, are protecting as, this little compound, and we don't yeah. really know why or who they are. All we know is that they're um, that they're these are all of the Nikto species. Um, yeah. and, and so, you know, we kind but of they're assume they're unsavory types. Building. Yeah, For they're sure. 100% they guarding this. And, um, but watching how the season plays out. Yeah. I have more questions about that now. You're like, well, wait a second. Were they that bad? Um, and so, well, yeah, once that, they get that past, is, that is a very, um, a very good, uh, a very good question. Right. Like the, the, that, um, like who, well, I guess the, the you know, we, we're looking at this and we're looking at a compound and, and yeah. you know, kind of on think the about... first viewing, you're definitely like, these guys are bad. Oh uh, yeah. On the, after watching every episode and then going back and watching it, you're like, I don't know. I want to hear them out, but they're dead now. Uh, yeah. They bring out a gauntling sort of gun, which star Wars wise has been brought out like four or five times. We've seen it in empire. Yeah. And... and that's, you know, like it's really in essence, a, it's, it's really a plat a gun platform. So it's, it looks yeah. an awful lot like the E um, it looks an awful lot like the E web that is in the Imperial arsenal, but yeah, this is but it's, not, it's, it's a little not, more transportable. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's, it's got, um, it's, it's, it's got a hover quality and in essence is. Yeah. So it's meant for a tough terrain and yeah. our Mandalorian gets on it and sort of just kills everyone in town. As well, and it's does. it is it, you know him doing that, and you know, the, you know basically having IG eleven draw draw the fire, and then him being able to get a hold mm -hmm. of that. That really, in essence, just flips the tide of this battle, and and ultimately is what you know what gets them yeah. to the point where they're able to to wipe everybody out. For sure, and IG eleven no longer has to self destruct. He was in self destruct mode. He wipes everyone out and goes, "Oh, thank God, I don't got to kill myself." They go into a room. And there's a couple random people in there. They shoot them. And then they, they're like, our tracking fobs are still on. There's, there's got to be another life form in here. They find a little floating orb. One side of it opens up. And we see Baby Yoda. Like, yes. uh, we see the beginning of really what is the most famous thing to come out of this so far. Yeah, the child and, and the line. Yeah, and there's uh, an ID 11 was like... Differently. Yeah, exactly. So we start to know it's like, yeah, I thought it was 50. Oh, yeah, it could be just because it's a baby. It's not your species. That's fine. And then IG-11 is like, we got to terminate it. And we see a blaster, like we see just a flash of red to know yeah. that a blaster was shot off screen. And then you see IG-11 fall over with a blaster wound to his head because now the Mandalorian has killed the droid. Upon every viewing, I believe that the baby used the Force to control to make the Mandalorian fall in love with the baby immediately to choose sides, to stop it from the robot that he knows who was terminating him. 
I think that's that, a part that's of that's a why. super interesting theory now. Um, and so, okay, so we've been doing this. Well, we've been doing this for a while. I've actually not heard anyone bring that up. So maybe I'm just not, I was not paying attention that the idea that, that the child was using the force on our, our, our protagonist uh, on the Mandalorian. I believe he did because there was an instant love that he saw immediately upon seeing it. There was the argument of alive and dead that was brought up earlier to leave a gray area. But there also is this longing gaze that you get immediately that you don't really get from hunting down a bounty. And so like, so I, to me, it makes more sense that he kind of force controlled him for a little bit to be like, nope, you love me and you're going to kill that thing and I'm going to get out of here safely. Because that's how this baby has survived other things that we haven't seen yet. So the, to your point now, okay, so, so this is cool that you bring this up and one, so, you know, I, uh, I hadn't thought of this, but the, the finger touch, uh, the finger touch at the, at, you know, we, we closed yeah, the episode with the finger touch that really now in what you're pointing out here, that shifts that to more of the child enthralling the Mandalorian mm-hmm. there. And that that's a very, very interesting. So I had kind of taken, I had read the scene as the Mandalorian was taken by the helplessness um, mm. uh, of the child. And in that was, that was kind of where that was coming from. Mm-hmm. So it's a really interesting reading of, of like what that could have been. Um, and that, that final sequence was to me, uh, that to me was like, like the, the pinnacle of how good they could make uh tv you know in essence the streaming t- you know it's not on tv but we think of it you know non yeah. uh and for it to end like that was just yeah what's just like wow you're like okay this is this is perfect like sign me up i want like a hundred mm-hmm. more of this um for sure but yeah i mean that's how that's how i feel about it i thought that yeah maybe- Upon the first viewing, I was like, oh, I'm in love with this show and I'm going to watch this. And I was absolutely shocked and floored to see that baby the first time. Even if you are watching the show today for the first time, even though it's years removed now, you're going to recognize the baby because it's become the most famous little marketable thing. Totally. But it, it um, it it was a really cool moment. Great introduction. I do believe it. that's the way it all ran down because also you can't use the force on a robot. Yeah, no, that I mean that that would make so it's just like all right, baby can read that fast, and that's uh, then it says directed by Dave Filoni. At the time, I didn't realize how much I would worship that. Yeah, and it's like oh, super cool. We got concept art, cool music, and stories out. Did I miss anything, Andy? Andy with four pages of notes. Yeah, no. Well, well, I mean, I had uh, you got so the the one thing I oh, there's one little bit. uh, There's an exchange that is is to us important from the cold open where uh, Mandalorian rejects the droid driven uh, speeder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when when they finally kind of get through um, the battle with IG-11, um, uh, Mando says, not, uh, uh, not so bad for a droid. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was one of those things where I, you know, I probably missed it the first, you know, first two or three times I uh, watched because you're, you're sort of, drawn away by the actual battle and all the other things that are kind of going on Mm -hmm. um, with that. And so just to see in a short, uh, in a short episode, 
you know, like, or, or, or maybe the, the reputation uh, merits should be awarded to IG 11 for uh-huh. a valiant, valiant battle that he could, <laughs> that, that he could turn the, uh, our, our friend Mando uh, to, to basically, you know, acknowledge that he's not so bad for a droid. Um, uh-huh. I also, you know, just the, uh, no, your, your droids can't, you know, your droids aren't allowed here kind of call, call out to new hope so yeah. this idea of like oh you know droids are bad but you're not so bad for a droid so that was yeah. just a you know, little five word whatever six word line uh there that i thought was um pretty interesting and then you know the the strikingness of being able for us to have this sort of underworld quality um you know to to be somewhere where there are jawas and be somewhere where we've got the you know mercenaries and pirates and everything else mm-hmm. that to have the payoff of that battle at the end uh in the compound and then to have the uh, basically reveal of the child so to be totally honest last year uh i was i didn't watch this um i didn't watch chapter 1 until i started seeing uh, pictures of baby Yoda. Mm. So like, I, so like, so, or, or I should say, I started seeing pictures of baby Yoda. I didn't know from the pictures that baby Yoda was in the Mandalorian. So I wasn't, I mm. can't cry like spoilers or any stupid, silly thing like that. But so it was one of these things where like, Oh, like I would thought they were just, it was just Disney teasing uh-huh. a, a new Disney. Cause it was, you know, Disney plus was new. It just come out. Oh, and it was, I was like day oh. one of Disney plus. Yeah, me as a Disney super fan because I'm not just a Star Wars super fan. I'm a Disney yes. super fan. I bought Disney Plus a month before you could watch it, um, which they don't charge you extra for. It's just like, all right, cool. Yeah. Thanks for subscribing. You can start streaming things on this day, and we'll charge you seven dollars then. And so I did that, and I didn't watch it immediately. And then my friend Jerry Rocha sent me a text that was like, "Dude, did you see Mandalorian?" Like seven a.m. And I was like, not yet. I'll see it after work. And he's like, oh, don't go on the internet then until you watch it. And then I was like, fine. And so I yeah. sat there and watched it before I went to work. And, uh, <laughs> and it was awesome. It was really, it was cool. Like, so like I was given that warning that it was like, you're going to, it's going to be spoiled for you if you wait that long. Yeah. This is really cool. I, and, uh, and as a result, uh, you know, as a result of that, then I was like, okay, you know, when it gets released, I'm going to start watching just because mm-hmm. I was like, I, you know, I, I, I I don't mind being spoiled. Like I still feel like a work is good regardless. Like, you know, and in, in, in and I agree. If the story's being told well, it's fine. Yeah. So like, if it's, you know, if there's a, if this, if, if it being spoiled can like basically take the wind out of the entire thing, then it probably wasn't that great anyway. Uh, But, but yeah, so, but I was definitely on that. Like, I'm not going to have that happen again. (laughs) Yeah. So I went, you know, full bore. Yeah, and so what do you give this episode, Andy? Um, I give this episode, uh, I give it nine out of ten barbecued monkey lizards. Oh, delicious. I give this IG 11 out of 10 um, because <laughs> I made me immediately excited to watch the rest of this. It really did. Like, I was, I was so blown away by this. So yeah. that's what I'm yeah. going to give it. I was grumpy about the, you know, whatever it is, seven ninety nine or seven dollars a month until I watched this episode. Because I was like one of the- I was talked about it for years, where I was like, I wish Disney would just let me have a streaming service of the Vault. 
Yeah. I just want everything they have. I don't care if it doesn't rotate. I prefer for it not to, as a matter of fact. I want to be able to watch Pinocchio whenever. Yeah. And so, like, I just wanted to watch the old Disney stuff, and I wanted that. And then I was also like, oh, yeah, we're also going to give you a Star Wars television show. And I'm like, sold. Yeah. Absolutely sold. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it was great. Very happy with it. I'm uh, never question my $7 a month for Disney+. Plus. Oh, I didn't after this. That's for sure. Absolutely. So, Andy, is this the way? That appears to be on the charts. Why do you choose that? Why do you say I that? I don't know. <laughs> uh. <laughs>